Join me, if you will, in our reading for the day from John 3, verses 1 through 17. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I say to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be true? Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into the heavens except the one who has descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up a serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him and may not perish, believes in Him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. May God add a blessing to this reading of the text and cause it to be the inspired word for us today. This morning I want to take up this, this term that gets thrown around a lot of being born again, born again. Some, I can guarantee you that half of this congregation kind of cringes when someone says, Valerie, for example, <laughs> kind of cringes when you hear the term born again, like, oh, great, and they're going to hand me a tract and I'm going to have to do the Jesus prayer all over again and go forward at the altar call and all of that. It's... At its narrowest, it seems to be about buying into a particularly fundamentalist dogma and perspective on what Christianity is about. For different groups, it means different things. For Pentecostals, it is a, about a powerful manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And yet, as we look at this story today, it is my hope that we will find it to be a concept that is far broader and I feel more relevant to the world we live in today than perhaps those ideas lend us there is this nicodemus story and i think oftentimes when we hear that term we forget that this this call to be born again comes to nicodemus a leader of the jews who sneaks in to see jesus at night uh, for fear that someone might see him and who kind of hides his curiosity about this jesus person 
And the theme of darkness and light are abounding in this encounter that Nicodemus has. In fact, had we read further, I don't know why they cut off Jesus' speech here, but the text probably should have gone through verse 21. I, uh, sometime, not during the sermon, but sometime, go back and read that. You'll see that Jesus alludes to the light part of the darkness. And so darkness and light becomes a theme here. Water also kind of has a double meaning because... Uh, not only are we born of water, and that means being born uh, in the natural way, but we're also born as we uh, descend into the baptismal waters and come back out of that, and we're born uh, out of that water as well. And uh, the idea of being born, uh, born from above or born again can be translated either way. It's actually the same, the same Greek uh, phrase is being used there when in John they're translating born from above or born again. It's the same, they're looking at the exact same wording, and I don't know, the translators are choosing to play with both of those born from above, born again. It's kind of the same phrase, and so the translators are choosing it. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of interesting themes going on in this Nicodemus story that can be be kind of brought out. And while the term born again is only used one other time in the New Testament, dying and rising again is a central theme to the entire New Testament. In the Synoptic Gospels, the path of death and resurrection is the way that Jesus taught. In fact, the earliest name for Christians was not Christian. Christian was a Roman name that was given to him, and it, it means little Christ, and it was kind of meant as a derogatory term. Oh, look at all these little Christs running around causing trouble, right? Uh, and Jesus, uh, you know, and, and Jesus' followers kind of adopted that. But originally, Christians were known as followers of the way. And the way that they're talking about is this path of death into new life in the resurrection. As in where Mark says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up the cross and follow me. And what he, and, and Luke adds daily, but what Mark is trying to say is follow me, follow Jesus from into death and then into new life, resurrected life. Mark takes Jesus from Galilee to Jerusalem and throughout that journey, Jesus speaks of his impending death and his res- resurrection and Jesus tells his followers to follow him in this path whoever would save his life will lose it and whoever would lose his life for my sake will gain it again what Jesus means is if you will die to your old self and rise to your new self then you will be my follower In Paul, dying and rising with Jesus is also a central theme. Paul says this, I have been crucified with Christ, so it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And he says again, we all who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. Therefore, we have been buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in the newness of life. Death into new life. Being born again into new life. And in John, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for John, Jesus is the Word made flesh, the incarnation of God. And so, 
He is the way because He is God and the incarnation of God. And so the way He talks about is the path Jesus incarnates, i.e. the path of death and resurrection. So it seems that the entire New Testament is calling us into death and resurrection from darkness to light, from dying to rising. And so it's not surprising, or it shouldn't be surprising, that this is such a central idea in Christianity. Uh, And uh, one of my favorite uh, theologians, Marcus Borg, talks about this as being uh, a natural, the reason this is so central is because it's a natural evolution of who we are as human beings. You know, as babies, we are not at all self-aware, right? Like, you ever, you ever watch babies discover fingers? You know, those are, that's fun, right? They're, they're kind of like, whoa, <laughs> fingers, like it's all, it's all, everything's new, right? Every, you know, uh, the, anything they touch is just all so brand new because they're, they're not self-aware. And as we as human beings become self-aware, we become self-conscious, we become self-focused, we become self-centered, we become the separated self that has forgotten that we were made to be with God. You know, I don't know what happens to us, but something happens to us. When I was a, when I was a baby, when I was a little, a little kid, have you ever seen little kids? They don't care that they can't dance. They dance. They don't care that they can't sing. They sing. Uh, they don't care. You know, they'll, they just do, they're completely unself, uh, you know, aware and, and not so self-conscious. We instill that in them. The world instills that in them. Parker Palmer tells this story of a, of a little girl who, whose parents bring home uh, her baby brother from the hospital. And uh, they put the baby down uh, in the nursery. And they have one of those little speaker things, walkie-talkies for babies, right? The little walkie-talkie things. And so they, they go out of the room, and the little sister goes back in there, and she leans down into And the parents can hear this over the walkie-talkie, right? And she leans down, and she says, Hey, tell me about God. I've almost forgotten Him. Oh, right? It's <laughs> the babies. You know, there's something about us. All of a sudden, we, we evolve away from where we came from. We evolve away from God. Thus, the fall is not something that Adam and Eve did. It is something we all do as we grow into ourselves and away from God. And yet, this is an intricate part of our own personal growth into a person is this falling away. Much like our teenagers. You know, don't get me started on teenagers, but have you noticed how teenagers kind of run away from uh, everything reasonable and good for them? Right? Have you noticed that? And they eventually come back. It's just like being born again, I think. Uh, so, but as we become acculturated and socialized and become obsessed with all kinds of crazy things, appearance, achievement, affluence, we fall further and further into a world of separation and alienation, and God gets further and further away. Thomas Keating calls it the false self. We fall into this false self 
Frederick Buchner says that we live our lives from the outside in rather than from the inside out. And we are as the Hebrews in Egypt or in Babylon, trapped and enslaved and in need of liberation. And it is the great contradiction that we are made in the image of God, yet we live exiled out of paradise. Thus, our ultimate vocation is to return. One of returning to paradise, returning to God, returning to the promised land. Of dying to one's old self and being reborn into a new way of being that produces love, that produces compassion, that produces all the good things we long for when we go to our knees and put our eyes heavenward. How do we go about this though? As we have become separated, how do we find ourselves being born again into this new life and dying to one's old self? It is our vocation and our desire, yet sometimes we lack the ability or we lack the motivation. Sometimes I think we just don't know how to go about it. And I guess one of the things I would say about this is that is that being born again is about allowing God to shape our lives. You know, Nicodemus was quite willing to come out of curiosity and dabble a little bit in what Jesus had to say. But it would be a long time, and perhaps we don't know very much about Nicodemus. He pops up a couple more times. But he always kind of stays out on the fringes. And I'm not sure that he really allowed this teacher that he admittedly, that admittedly comes from God, whether he allowed him to really shape his life. We can tell that he's a little bum-fuzzled at what Jesus says. What do you mean I'm born again? That doesn't even make sense. Jesus says, well, you know, if you don't understand what the, the, these little things, how can I tell you really important things? Right? We've got we to start at 101 here. And I'm not really sure Nicodemus was allowing Jesus to shape his life or point to how God can shape his life. And I guess there, there's... As, as good God-fearing church-going folks, there's kind of three ways we go about doing this. There's things that, that if we allow them, God uses to shape who we are, to, to gestate us into rebirth, new birth. Uh, the first and most obvious thing is God's Word, the Bible. Right? i got to tell you though, it's a dangerous thing to tell people to read the Bible. Because either they're going to get angry and, and throw it across the room, or they're going to misunderstand it and start imposing crazy things on everyone else. The best thing to do with this is to read it in the context of community. A lot of people get a lot of different things out of it, but I guarantee you that wonderful words of life are contained between these covers that will shape us into the people of God God created us to be. 
Yet, yet it's, a, it's an old document that takes serious study and careful study. One that is best done by the aid of the Holy Spirit and in the context of a loving church family, community, however you want to define that. And that's the other thing that shapes us. Our family, our, our church traditions, our community of faith. This church has been here for 130-something years. Before that, Baptists have been grappling with the Bible since uh, you know the, the Reformation. And before that, I mean, you can go all the way back to, to a long tradition of folks trying to have their lives shaped by what God has passed on to you and me. And the, we have a long tradition of wrestling with these texts and trying to invite God's Spirit to shape us, transform us, and bring us into new birth. I want to add a third one that sometimes I don't think we acknowledge enough. There's Scripture. There's our community. But I want to validate and affirm your own experiences with God. I don't think we validate our own experiences enough. Here's, what I, here's my faith. You know God. You already know God. God is at work all around you. And more importantly, God is at work within you. Sometimes the trick is paying attention to that. Sometimes the trick is acknowledging that for yourself. But I guarantee you that you have experiences with God already that are shaping who you are. And uh, I want to affirm that and lift those up. You know, a lot of people, have, I have never, here's, here's a little thing, I have never had like a, like a, a, God, a, a theophany experience. And that's where God kind of breaks in and, and changes things, right? Like I've never had uh, an experience like where I should have died, but the hand of God stopped me from, you know, saved my life, right? But you know what? A lot of you have, and don't talk about it except to me, <laughs> right? I've heard a lot of those stories from you, and those stories, those experiences where you feel like you have, where the hand of God changed your destiny, those have shaped who you are, and I affirm those stories in you. It's not my story. That's your story. And those experiences have shaped who you are. And I guess I want to say, and they're not as unusual as you think they are. A lot of folks have shared those stories with me. And those experiences are God trying to shape you. And they, they move us forward. Now, for, I've had experiences where, where God's providence seems to be at play. Where, where I don't think things are going to work out and they work out. Where I'm not sure what's going, what I'm going to do. And I, in, in utter desperation, come to God. And God comes through every time. Every time it's surprising I find the capacity to doubt. But I do. And every time, God comes through. And those experiences have shaped my theology. It has shaped how I look at this book. And it has shaped my, who I am as a person. So I want to validate your own experiences. And it's important that we connect with one another as we go on this journey because the journey is hard to do by yourself. That's why I'm such a lover of church. I don't know if you've noticed this. I don't know if I've shared this with you before. But I love church. 
<laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't know why it's such a. I don't know why people are looking at the watch, because I love church. I just love. I love being here. Oh, there goes my decoration. I love being here. I love being here with you, and it's because my faith is is shaped by all of us together. And when you are here, it is better. It is better when you are here and we are here together. I don't feel God nearly as much out hiking or in the wilderness or playing golf or all of those things you tell me you're doing when you're not at church. <laughs> Gardening or, you know, I don't feel the presence of God nearly as much as when we are here together. This community shapes who we are in Christ. Amen? Nicodemus would have been better off by saying, answering the question, come follow me, and saying, okay, I'm leaving the Sanhedrin, I'm going with Jesus. Instead, he kind of pops in every once in a while, Christmas and Easter, right? And <laughs> misses out, misses out on all the rest of the stuff that Jesus is doing. And it is all about birth. From a dying to our old selves, being born again into our new selves. Nicodemus spent most of the Gospel story lurking around the edges. But trans- transformation, rebirth, new life, it just doesn't happen lurking around the edges. It just doesn't happen on accident. We don't trip and fall into rebirth. We, we might trip and fall on the dying part, but we don't trip and fall into rebirth. It takes deliberate, heartfelt, agonizing, wrestling, on our knees, in tears, prayer, supplication, and a, a moment. Probably, if you're like me, moment after moment after moment over years and years of a, when we say I'm done I can't do this anymore on my own and at that moment when we say I'm done with this and we die to our false selves God says I've got something all new for you and we are born Again, we are nurtured, we are taught, and we're supported and cared for as we discover fingers and we start to crawl. We do that kind of revving thing that kids do, right? And we start to crawl, stand up, and we walk forward until we fall again. But every time, we're just a little bit further and a little wiser and a little more the reflection of the kingdom of God that God created us to be. As we embrace the way of death into new life, what happens is that we have a longing and a desire to see a world that dies to its old self and is reborn into new life. The only way that gestation 
is going to happen is if all of us born from above start to transform the world. Let the dying stuff die and bring new birth, new birth into the world around us. So I am proud and blessed to call myself born again. This is what I mean by it. And I pray that you too join this journey of death into new life. Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, inspire us, we pray, to not wander around the fringes, but to come deliberately into the middle of it all and allow You to shape us into the reborn follower You want us to be. May we choose light over darkness. May we choose life over death. May we choose joy over sorrow. May we choose You. Your way. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.